along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the back welcome to ghost chronicles special edition of ghost chronicles next generation with my co-host the blonde bombshell herself and carrigan hey everybody how is everybody doing (laughs) i have the most wonderful timing ever I know that was good, and also uh, all the way from uh, West Coast is the West Coast, my favorite West Coast. Which, what's her face, Myla Brooks? Yeah, that's it. That would be me. What's her face? Yes. Yeah, my favorite. What's her face? And of course, <laughs> my favorite. I'm not the only. What's her face? My favorite ghost standard and ghost hunting all the way from the land of the, I don't know, green red dragon. I don't know. Uh, is the ghost in ghost hunting Calco? I mean, um, Steve Parson. <laughs> very, very, very careful. I wow. could have said something. Good, you know. good, uh, good morning. <laughs> is it morning, everybody? Okay, let's because do it, it now. Is okay, two wait, wait. After midnight. Oh, All right, Steve's so morning. Steve is definitely morning. You guys on the West Coast are what evening? Wait, you now? guys on the West Coast. You're on the West I Coast. I mean, on the yeah. East Coast. Duh. Evening. You're still evening, okay, and I'm afternoon. Awesome. Well, I'm yeah, tomorrow. we've got all three everything. time zones, one so, show. Yeah, so you're yesterday Ooh. and I'm tomorrow. I never existed. <laughs> this is true. We wish. I'm always too late. Do you ever hear of Saint Germain? Yes. The Count no. yes. Saint Germain. Well, sort of. The liquor? Saint Ge- no, Saint Germain and the Violet Flame. Oh. Yeah, Saint Germain who keeps, he's like the bloody Phoenix. It's like me. He keeps reincarnating. No, but I know I put St. Germain in a cucumber martini. Ooh. Yeah, well, that don't work. Martini. All right, so we don't know about St. Germain, so I guess we won't do St. Germain then. You, know, you, so, can get, you can now get the cucumber-flavored tonic water. Really? Yeah, in the UK, you can go into the supermarket and the um, Schweppes do cucumber. Uh, you, nice. you, you should be able to get tonic with lemon or lime, but now you can get cucumber as well. You well, get, you know, it makes sense. You can get yes. cucumber uh, hair conditioner, cucumber soap, cucumber shampoo. Oh, stop it. Have you seen, have you seen the face lotion, cucumber? Have, have you seen have Drink you the seen? Day? I put cucumbers in vodka and make cucumber Forget vodka. that. Have you, you seen go. the adverts for shampoo in America? Oh, I don't know. They must be the same in America. They're not like, they're not like uh, shampoo adverts. It's like some sort of like fruit salad that you put on your hair. <laughs> <laughs> this one contains See, oh, Parsons, what oil. do you know about shampoo? Yeah, what, oh, yeah, what do you know about shampoo? Yeah. <laughs> Good one, Ann. <laughs> oh, it's quiet well, very silent. Well, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I can't answer that one. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm sorry, let, I couldn't okay. resist. But go on, girls. Why do you have to have? Why can't you use a soap-based cleaning product? Why do you have to have half a fruit bowl on your head? Do you know what soap-based means? It's lye. It's lard. It's animal fat. Yeah, but it's... We need to spruce it up a little. So let's clean ourselves with animal fat. Yeah. 
Or would you have, let's have a botanical garden of delight. Let's okay. throw a fruit salad over our head. You're so okay. far this, off the track, it's not even funny. This is showing my age, but the we see we really back in the olden days, um, days. shampoo was just normal, like shampoo. shampoo. Yeah. But then sometime in the sixties, I mean, believe. Head, head, shoulders. Well, well, yeah, yeah. Go smell that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, but Put but sometime up. in the sixties, somebody came up with herbal essence shampoo. Uh-huh. Clara. And herbal essence smelled like green grass. It was so nice, but at the time it was so exotic because we didn't have all these other yeah. really wonderful things. <laughs> so that's probably when it started with, with herbal essence. Can I, can I just interject for any English listeners? No. What Marla actually said was herbal essence. <laughs> herbal. Herbal. Excuse me. It's just silent, Steve. No, it's yeah. not. Yes, you just pronounce C-H here. Yeah. Just like aluminum is aluminum. It's not aluminum. Aluminium? I like aluminium. Though. That's aluminium is how it's written. It's not it's schedule. Please. Uh, you don't solder bits of metal. You solder bits of metal. Yeah. Oh, you, just, you, you get arrested for that in here. Yeah, yeah. we can solder <laughs> it. <Yeah>. Solder it. <laughs> so, it, I mean, before we move on... Do you have a favorite uh, shampoo, Steve? Uh, yeah, soap. <laughs> I mean, favorite smelling shampoo. I mean, do. You... Oh yeah, I love the Coltar uh, shampoo. The what is it? A uh, Coltar shampoo. Coltar. Yeah, it smells like creosote. Ew. <laughs> Oh, oh, it's very popular here in the, it's called Vosine and it's mm. uh, it's a thick dark brown very very good for you because um, in fact I use the soap equivalent of it for body wash um, you know hard and we used to get them when we were small small it's called coal tar soap huh. I don't know if there's an American equivalent C-O-A-L yeah, yeah. I'll punish yeah, cool. America we're all Googling this right now, right? Yeah, really. Let's see. Oh, Avita. I guess a lot of people make it. So, Anne, what's your favorite smelling shampoo? I use Botanics. It smells like coconut. Fruit bowl. Yeah. I love those fruit bowls on my head. Yeah. Coconut's Maybe you were Carmen favorite. Miranda in a previous life. That's right. <laughs> Coconut's my favorite <laughs> as well. Just, uh, what about you? Uh, actually, you just add which, alcohol to shampoo you and you've got a really nice had, cocktail. You had your chance, Steve. You're finished. Okay. <laughs> just saying. New cocktail, new drink of the day there. West, one West quart Coast shampoo, what's your one favorite smelling? There you go. <laughs> West Coast Switch, what's your favorite smelling? On shampoo, I just use regular shampoo. I don't have anything special. Body yeah. wash is something else, but shampoo, you I know. What's your favorite smell in body wash? Um, right now, I'm doing a patchouli vanilla one that is Ooh. wonderful. Like that patchouli. sounds nice. It is. It's I love of, patchouli. I do, too. And I, yeah. So moving back to something more paranormal. Have you tried patchouli and frankincense? That's a really Anyways, good combination. Paranormal something more paranormal. I haven't heard that. I make my own aftershave with it. It's fantastic. I really love the smell of it. Nice. Fine. We done? Well, maybe. Welcome to the the, the health and beauty show. Okay, to talk about, yeah, shampoo this evening. Mm -hmm. Body wash, shampoo, yeah, anything. (laughs) 
Is mm-hmm. its shampoo real? Does it exist? Well, what do you use, right? A coconut. I told you that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Just yeah. a coconut. I love coconut. He, he hits cracks himself the off coconut. the head with it. Do you, do you put the lime in it, too? <laughs> the lime? Yeah, you mix it all mix up. Mix it all up? Yeah, okay. Just sure. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, there are... There are so many. We're going to go touch on ghosts, I guess, because we all know ghosts. That's so a good idea. Let's talk ghosts. All right. Anyways, uh, are there any ghosts in the Bermuda Triangle? <laughs> uh, no, no. I'm sure there's a, a, a lot of cheesy old movies about that, though. In reality, there's, there's a good story uh, about in the Bermuda Triangle about ghosts. In fact, it was in my book, Ghost Today. And that's, of course, the Chase Fault. And the chase of family vaults, where they go in and they find the coffins all messed up every time they they turn somebody new. It's like uh, strange stuff that's going on. The coffins move by themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's tenuous. How, how, how are we getting back to the uh, Bermuda Triangle? I don't know. We can't talk about the Bermuda Triangle. That was called no more Bermuda Triangle. And that was called the segue when you introduce a new topic from an old topic. Okay. Those What's in, the new topic? Those on radio would understand that. Well, okay, then. Well, how about a ghost ship that was abandoned in the Bermuda Triangle that washed up in Probably. Ireland? Which one? Um, what was it called? Uh, lost be- lost uh, off the Bermuda coast during a hurricane in 2018. Washed uh, washed up on the Irish coast during Storm Dennis in February of this year. Uh, the Alta stranded on the rocks of the Irish coast on Sunday. The Alta was found near Ballycotton in County Cork, uh, nearly 6,000 kilometres away, where it was lost. Uh, from from where it was lost some 17 months ago. Mm. Uh, there was nobody on board. And I saw the, that. the abandoned cargo ship, blah, 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 blah. Go Which ship. brings us to our new topic. What happened to the one with rats on it? Ghost, ghost ship. <laughs> yeah, the ghost ah. ship. Do you remember the one that you, you told me about once where there was a ghost ship heading our way? Right, getting your way full of rats. They were full of rats. Very, oh, yes. no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Full of very angry rats. Yeah, they, they haven't been fed for a while. They were eating each other. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't a pretty sight. Mm-hmm. But it, Hannibal that one, rats. That one disappeared. Really? Must have been in a triangle then. I no, mean, but, but, seriously, it was a well-documented do, well yeah, shit because it was being tracked by the U.S. Coast Guard and the Royal Navy. Um, but I don't know what became of that. Obviously, it didn't wash up anywhere. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many theories about ghosts. I mean, your your own king reported the Flying Dutchman, didn't he? Uh, no, it was Prince Edward. King's, well, Prince Charles's brother, the son of the Queen. Yes, he, he did, in fact, um, report. No, it was, actually, actually, it was. It's what, Edward. Uh, was it Andrew? Was it Andrew? It wasn't no, Charles. No, no this, this was occurred a long time ago. Uh, this, and he became king. Uh, what the heck was his name? Oh God! Oh. Anyways, whatever he was, he was on uh, on the ship and he cited the the uh, thing. And it's in the logbook. Oh, damn! I have to go dig that up now. That's that's gonna irritate me. I have to work. <laughs> but the, I mean, not long ago, do you remember? The, do you remember the yacht that where the whole all the guys disappeared off Australia? A yacht? 
Yeah, there was a, there was a yacht that left port with three uh, salesmen. They were going to sail, I believe, from Perth to the other side of Australia. It was a good trip, but they were going to go into harbor on each leg along the thing and, and do fishing and so forth. And um, they went out, and they didn't make the next port of call. They went out, and they they found the, the ship. Uh, her It was a catamaran. Uh, well, what weird coincidence! I'm reading exactly the same story as you're saying it. And I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't realize it was. Go ahead, give it to me, Steve. Cas two. Yes. Yes, drifting 88 miles off the off the Australian coast, um, and the fate of her three man crew still unknown. Derek, uh, the ship's owner, Derek Batten, had set off with brothers Peter and James Tunstead uh, in on April 15th, 2007. Three days later, the craft was spotted by a helicopter um, whose crew reported that the ship appeared in potential distress. They boarded and found nobody there. Food, cutlery were all set on the table, laptop turned on, and the boat's engine was still running. Hmm. Uh, The only thing that was amiss was there was slight damage to one sail and the life raft had gone. No trace of the men has ever been found. But a life raft was gone. Sounds suspicious to me. Mm-hmm. But the cups of coffee and everything were found stolen there. Everything was was like if they just disappeared. Ah, sounds like somebody set that up and they they wanted to disappear. Well, the the, the Australian Navy's theory uh, in the in the accident report says that what I, I happened. That, was, yeah, that was pretty cool actually. Go ahead. Well, one version of it is that one fell over, two took to a boat to row off after the idiot that it fell over. Uh, and whilst he, they were rowing one way, their ship was sailing away from them the other way. Um, and they just never caught it up again. <laughs> which, has happ- which has happened several times before. Oh, absolutely. That also makes sense. There's, there's another theory as well that uh, one of them was fishing and his uh, line got caught in the rudder because they did find uh, a fishing line in the rudder. And he was uh, trying to get it loose and he fell in and his brother... Uh, jumped in to help him out, and then the, the other guy came out to help him, and then the uh, the boom swung around and knocked him in. And then, of course, the boat just went away, and uh, they couldn't catch up to it once again. I'd say that was bad luck, but, you know, three's a crowd. A reasonable explanation, in. yeah. So they just drowned? They Probably. disappeared, never found the bodies or anything. Yeah. Hmm. And they they put in an extensive search. I mean, in Australia, to, of course, the prime minister went swimming and just disappeared. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so did that. Um, that guy in Neighbours, Harold Bishop. And then What's he that? came back. He came back six 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 series later. Oh. <laughs> no, this was. Uh, I missed that. Was- Sorry. There's actually quite a lot of these weird ship disappearances. The cargo vessel, the Bikimo, uh, in the Arctic, uh, got trapped in Arctic ice. The crew abandoned the ship and took shelter in a nearby village um, to wait out the the storm, whatever. When they went back, the ship had gone. <laughs> the ice had drifted off, taking the ship with it. Over the next 40 years, the ship was seen several times still trapped in the ice. Last sighting was in 1969, 38 years after she was first abandoned, and it remains the most famous Arctic ghost ship, others including the Erebus and the Terror. 
Isn't there one where they they found the the are the whole crew actually frozen there? Right at the thing. Uh, well, this is actually an old article because they found Erebus and Terra now. Um, yeah. Quite recently. Going going back to the my report about the king, uh, the best documented account was the cover at HMS Bacacut. <clears throat> back back I can't say. in eighteen eighty one, while cruising off the Cape Town, a strange light appeared. And with it, the Dutchman. Thirteen sales seamen aboard the Bacchante, including Prince George, future king, uh, reported seeing the Dutchman. According to the, his diary, the lookout spotted the Dutchman and fell from the mast and died. Since then, the Dutchman was spotted several times, yada, yada. But that's that's the one I was talking about, Steve. Uh, well, I was, what I was thinking about took place, uh, it was actually Prince Edward. Uh, yeah. In 1998, he was filming in the Solent uh, for an ITV documentary, Crown and Country, where apparently uh, he he saw the uh, a sailing the ghostly visage of the sailing ship HMS Eurydice, uh, which had sunk in 1878 in a freak squall, um, and had been reported as a ghost ship several times in the area, and actually appears on camera in the Prince Edward footage. Does it really? Apparently so. I mean, have you ever seen it? Uh, no, because the oh, footage has never been made public. Apparently. Oh, that's not fair. Yeah, I mean, you've got. I mean, big things disappear in 2006. An 80 meter long tanker, the Yanseng, was found drifting 100 miles off the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Uh, when they, uh, when customs officials boarded her, they found no evidence that anyone had ever been on board, or that the ship had been abandoned due to distress. Uh, they found a huge quantity of rice, and they believe that the vessel may have been simply used to supply local fishing boats with food and fuel, that they would sail up, tie up to it, and then uh, the ghost ship had been adrift on the ocean for years. Uh, its engines seized, and officials believe that the vessel could have been on, on its way to a scrapyard when it broke free and was eventually, as it was drifting around um, the South China Sea, mm. the local fishermen were using it as a supply depot and as a sort of hotel. Oh, that would make sense. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. In, in 1969. Uh, it's a nice one in 1969. Okay. Did I get one? A final one, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lone sailor Dennis Crowhurst, not not dissimilar name to Alistair Crowley, set sail from Devon in his <laughs> bid to win the Golden Globe around the world yacht race. Um, uh, then on July the 10th, uh, his boat, the time of Electron, was found drifting and abandoned in the mid-Atlantic. His logbook revealed the story. His voyage had been a hoax. He had spent eight months just sailing around in the Atlantic. (laughs) And his plan was to limp home into Britain, pretending he had made it around the world. Uh Uh, But whilst bobbing up and down in the Atlantic for eight months, his writing had become muddled, and the the long months uh, being alone in the Atlantic had driven him quite mad. So at the thought of his guilt, he wrote his confession and jumped overboard. Mm. Oh. Now, I just I saw that as related to the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, the triangle missing boat. Or missing ghost ship. Well, they found the ship, you see. That's why they, it yeah, they found ship. it, but yeah. they never found him. No, because he jumped, but he'd written, I've, 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 yeah. I confess all, and then bailed over the side. There but they go. attributed it to 
he went mad in the Bermuda Triangle. He went mad. He went mad. But, so like you know, I do on maybe show. he had that going on before he got there. So, right. Yeah. Maybe. So on March 24, 1878, the 26-gun HMS Eurydice was launched in 1843. Uh, at the time, it was considered one of the finest ships in the Navy, but with the advent of ironclads in the 1860s, it was doomed, deemed obsolete and converted to a training vessel. On November 13, 1877, under the command of Captain Heer, the Eurydice uh, sailed to the West Indies for training. Three months later, he completed his training and and uh, headed home, arriving in the English Channel on March 24, 1978. According to a BBC report, something quite unusually occurred that same afternoon of the ship's return. The Bishop of Ripon, Sir John Cowell, and Sir John McNeil were dining at Windsor. Suddenly, McNeil stood up and cried out, Good heavens, why don't they close the portholes? And reef the sails, whatever that means. Stunned, uh, Cowell uh, asked what it was meant. McNeil replied he didn't know, but went on to say that he had had a vision. He saw the ship on the full sail cruising the English Channel with its gun ports open, being thrashed by an enormous squall. McNeil's vision came true. For that very moment, the HMS Eurydice floundered, capsized, and sank to the bottom of the channel. Uh, all but two of the 330-man crew perished. An inquiry was held and was found. The ship had capsized because the gun ports were open and it had too much sail, just as McNeil had exclaimed. Hmm. <laughs> and that was the one that was seen by Prince Edward in 1998. Was it really? Yeah, that's what I said before. It was the Eurydice. Oh, good. You said it better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's not difficult. <laughs> you know, Anne, Anne had a very good ship that. Uh, uh, yeah, I did the uh, the Alchemos, the haunted yes, Alchemos. That, that was a freaking awesome story. Thank you. Well, that was at Spirit Quest this past year, and so the the Alchemos was uh, a Liberty ship uh, produced during World War II in America. And uh, it just had a lot of bizarre and freak accidents that happened on it, supposedly, because they built them so quickly. Um, supposedly, a couple of the builders were sealed inside the hull. Uh, that's, that's uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. But uh, so it, it was uh, put into service, like, in 1943. It was originally called the George M. Shriver, but they sold it. They just sold it right away. I don't know why they do that. And a Norwegian company bought it and renamed it the Viggo Hans Hansteen. Um, and it, it was active during World War II. And, uh, and so they had... Uh, because it was a Norwegian company, uh, they had uh, they had people from all over the world on the boat. Um, so they had a female Canadian radio operator who was a civilian. She, she her name was uh, Maud Steen. She wanted to enlist in the uh, Canadian whatever their uh, the Canadian Navy. Uh, but they wouldn't let women in. So somehow she ended up uh, 
serving on this ship as a radio operator. And she was murdered by a crewman, another crewman. Uh, it was a murder-suicide, must have been. They figured it was like a love thing. And uh, so he shot her, and then he shot himself. And so after that, it was like between what had happened, supposedly the men got sealed in the hull, and then they had this murder-suicide. It was like it just became like the cursed ship. Um, no one wanted to really serve on it. Uh, eventually, after the war, it was sold to a Greek shipping company. And then it just one bad thing after another happened. It was just continuing with this whole cursed, uh, you know, cursed thing. So uh, it ran aground off the coast of Australia. So what is it about Australia? The boats just migrate there? What? Yeah. Um, so... I don't, I don't know. So it ran aground, and uh, while it was waiting, it had, it had minor damage. So it was waiting repairs. While it's there, it caught fire. No one knows how. And then it was uh, repaired enough, and it was going to be towed to Hong Kong for more major repairs. Um, the tow line snapped. No one knows why. And then... A big storm came up and it ran it aground. So now it's it's off the coast of Australia. They can't do anything with it, and they were just going to save it for salvage. So they hired these care all these caretakers to take care of the boat um, while it was it was they weighed it down with water, I guess, and and so it wouldn't go anywhere. So things just started to go crazy on the boat and they had this caretaker and he would hear noises at night. He would hear steps. He would hear tapping. He'd smell cooking from the galley. Um, and, and just eventually he's like, I'm done. And supposedly was admitted, admitted to a psychiatric hospital after he left the boat. Um, so it just was plagued by all these things. And, um, like just nothing good. Oh, we're coming up on break. Sorry. Oh, I didn't even see that. All right. Yeah, so I just saw a pop up. You know, listen to Ghost Chronicles. Uh, into uh, what are we? Whatever. Next, Next generation. Gen. We'll be right back. Following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing. 
although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he is a paranormal scientist. Well, Mustache, I am required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Is there an extra little stanza? Hello, and welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. And tonight, we have just such a good show for you. We have Ron, we have me, we have Marla Brooks, and we have Steve Parsons. We're all here together. Ta-da! And we're talking about ghost ships, ultimately. Once we got past shampoo, we got into (laughs) ghost ships. So oddly enough, Steve brought up. (laughs) Go figure. So I just got to. I don't hide my baldness with a hat, Ron. No, no, you don't. You just hide it with sunglasses. Before the break, we were talking about the Alchemos, which I I did a presentation last year at Spirit Quest 2019. Um, So just to pick up where I left off. uh, So we had all this really bizarre stuff happening on the Alchemos, and uh, there is a there is a book about this by uh, an author called Jack Wong Su. No, it's not Jack Wong from Barney Miller, for those who go that far back like me. It's not him. Jack Wong Su. <laughs> I went to school with his son. Never mind. Go ahead. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Jack yeah. Wong. Wow. Junior, junior high. Um, yep. So anyways, he did write a book about it. I, you have to, it's very expensive. You can only order it through their website. I couldn't find it anywhere, so I didn't buy it. Uh, anyways, he, uh, went on the Alchemos and spent time there and did recordings and, uh, uh, wrote this, this book. Uh, there's also a great video on this from a show called the extraordinary, uh, which ran in Australia and then it came over the United States. Australia good again. Yeah, I know, right? So if if you Google uh, the Alchemos, it'll come up. It's it's pretty interesting. So uh, finally, uh, they continued to f- hire more caretakers and watchmen. Nobody would stay because it was so haunted. Uh, they had a priest in and tried to do an exorcism, and he got a fish hook caught in his head. It was just just crazy stuff. Uh, so finally, uh, they abandoned the ship and just left it to rot. So it's still there off the coast, uh, but even at, you know, at the bottom of the ocean, they still talk about that uh, – you know, horses go crazy on the beach. There's drownings. There's engine failure and accidents near Sweet. the wreck. Uh, so it's it's pretty cool. There's some drone footage as well on uh, YouTube, which is really uh, interesting. So, but it's just been it was just cursed from the day it was made and then haunted from that time forward. All right, I'm done. 
I want awesome. to know more about the fish hook in his head. Yeah, I was, I was, that one piqued my interest, too. I, I, I guess he was waiting to start the exorcism, so he thought he'd do some fishing because it's, like, in a great area to go fishing. Yeah. Mm. Like, threw out his line, shwink, and it came right back, clunk. And uh, they my, had to bring my, it to the hospital. My father-in-law is notorious for doing that. Every time we've been fishing together, um, really, the hook spends most of the time stuck in him. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! Uh, yeah. So Mila's got something for us. Well, no, I just found this this one thing. It was a boat called the Jenny. Oh, Jenny. And yeah, was there a song written about her? Yeah, <laughs> there's probably many songs. Sorry. That was, that was uh, Paper Lace wrote, wrote uh, Jenny. Huh. All right. Well, this was, this was called um, an English schooner called the Jenny, which left port from the Isle of Wight way back in 1822. And it was discovered by the whaling vessel The Hope 18 years later. It was frozen solid in the Drake Passage, which is a body of water between South America's Cape Horn and the South Shetland Islands of Antarctica. But on the schooner, they found the dead bodies of all the crew, preserved by the cold climate surrounding it. That's so the one I was talking about. The Jenny? Yeah. Did you say Jenny? No, I don't know the name. You think no, I, I actually remember think so. the name? Okay, well then, okay. All right, good. Phew. I thought maybe I just heard it. No, no, it. no, no. That was good. Yeah, because okay. I couldn't remember. You, you filled it out much better than I did. Well, I had it right in front of me with all the answers. That um, works. Yeah, yeah. You were, you were going by memory, right? Yeah, which is sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that, that's what I found that so far was interesting. It's part of one of the creepiest 15 ghost ships. Yeah. I don't think it's that creepy. I mean, they were popsicle crew. A popsicle crew is not creepy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is. I think you, you know it would be fascinating. Do you remember the X File one where, where where Scully and Mulder were on the the boat that was in the the green mist there and and uh, it was like a green mist tonight. I know. <laughs> huh? It was misting away and and they were getting mist. old. No. Mm. Yeah. The old, the old, the old, all the crew was like all old people that died of old age, and they were starting to get old too. And and uh, the I'll only tell you what was, was a... weird. Do you remember the time when you, me, and Anne spent the night on a U.S. battleship with the Victorian seance parlor inside it? It was yeah. a cruiser, not a battleship. <laughs> it was it a had cruiser. what inside it? it? I swear to God, there was a U.S. cruiser. Yeah. I, I, I sit corrected uh, that. They Salem. That, that had been converted to a Victorian seance parlor. Oh, and a zombie apocalypse. Yes. yes. Huh. The other end of it. Yeah. That was so weird. But do you so know what? There is, there is, a, there's a, in, who, was it Marla that said about uh, the top 15 ship? Yeah. Go, yeah. Ship? Is, does one of them there record probably the most, well, in fact, I think, one of the only accounts that are recorded in the official documents of the Royal Navy, HMS Asp. Asp? Excuse me? Asp. I'm, I'm as looking snake. right now, there's the <laughs> ASP. As in, as in, for some as in the snake. The Asp. And the and Orang Madan and Valencia and Zebrina, something else I can't think of. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. It, they didn't. Okay, include, well, let, well, yeah. well, settle back for a minute or two. Um, okay. And I will. You, oh, oh. Because this one takes place here, right where I live. 
Um, the, the ASP, HMS ASP, was a small survey vessel that the, uh, had been uh, purchased by the Royal Navy in 1850. It had formerly been a paddle steamer, a merchant vessel that had been used to take cargo and passengers between Britain and Ireland. But it was bought as a survey vessel um, and brought to the Pembroke Dock Royal Naval Dockyard in 1850. Uh, now, when she arrived here, the dockyard superintendent approached the captain and told him that the ship was haunted and that he might find it subsequently difficult to locate men willing to undertake the repair and the refitting work that was necessary for its new role. Captain Aldrich was sceptical and remained absolutely resolute, even after several of the shipwrights suggested that he should give up the ship as it would only bring him none. Uh, bad luck, but he insisted and the refit was completed and it was uneventful and upon completion HMS Asp began her new role as a survey vessel in the waters around the west of Wales and off the Irish coast but almost immediately she began her new job strange things began to be noticed by the crew and the captain loud banging could be heard and other inexplicable sounds coming from the aft cabin which was empty and this cabin was not in use and could only be reached by means of the companionway which passed directly behind the captain's own cabin. The captain could therefore see easily that the aft cabin was deserted but nonetheless the disquieting sounds, the banging and the other noises continued without any apparent cause. From time to time HMS Asp would put into an Irish port and during one of her visits to Ireland the captain had returned to the ship after going ashore to hear more strange noises. This time, the sounds were coming from inside his own cabin. Uh-uh. Thinking at last he might capture the errant ghost, or more likely the perpetrator of the troublesome noises, he burst open his cabin door and raced it, rushed inside. He found his cabin empty and silent, except for the gentle creaks of the ship as she lay at her moorings. He stood in silence, perplexed and by now not a little afraid. And he heard a commotion in the companionway outside, and after a moment the quartermaster arrived with the news that the lookout had seen the figure of a woman standing atop the paddle box, with her arm raised to the sky. The lookout had been so terrified that he had gone into convulsions. (laughs) Yeah, and had been overcome. The captain fear gave way to anger and he took the remainder of the watch himself determined to get to the bottom of the troubles that were plaguing the vessel the remainder of the trip passed uneventfully except for the continuing sounds from the deserted aft cabin asp arrived back in her home port at pembroke dock and was soon lying peacefully at anchor in the milford haven waterway at lorenny that's less than a half a mile from here it was a it was a sunday afternoon and all seemed quiet Suddenly, the peace was shattered as the ship's steward rushed up to the captain in a state of extreme agitation. He had been spoken to by a mysterious disembodied voice and was now so terrified that the captain was forced to release the man to go ashore in order to recover. Uh Over the following week, one by one, other members of the crew also began to come forward with their own accounts, some of them requesting permanent transfer to other ships. HMS Asp became known as a vessel that few would serve aboard and even few would remain aboard. 
before applying to be transferred. Captain Aldrich, however, remained, he, for he was not a man who would retreat from the presence of a mere ghost, even mm. though he himself had had so many unusual experiences. He was often woken at night by the sound of the lockers in his cabin being slammed, and he was several times disturbed to feel a cold, invisible hand being placed upon his forehead, and all the while the sounds from the adjacent empty cabin continued. Eventually, uh, some months later, HMS Asp returned to the dockyard at Pembroke for a further refit and for routine repair work to be carried out. As she lay alongside, one of the dockyard sentries reported that he had seen the figure of a woman climbing up onto the paddle box, her arm and hand raised skyward. As he watched, she turned and approached the man, he challenged the figure, but on she came relentlessly until she passed straight through his outstretched musket. The brave sentry dropped the musket and fled to the guardhouse. As he ran, he called to a second sentry, who also saw for himself the apparition of the woman. He raised his musket and fired at close range, but the shot had no effect. The figure continued silently moving along the dockside. A third sentry, alerted by the shot rushed over just in time to also witness the ghostly figure. Huddled together, the three men watched the ghost enter the old Pater churchyard, less than a mile from here. She paused for a moment, remaining motionless above one of the graves, before finally she disappeared. On the following nights, the dockyard sentries were doubled, because men refused to stand guard alone. However, it seems that this event, this remarkable event, marks the end of the haunting of HMS Asp, and no further events were ever reported. All became quite normal above aboard the vessel, and the noises from the aft cabin had ceased. The woman was never seen again. After he retired from the Royal Navy, Captain Aldridge decided to try and seek an explanation for the strange events that had plagued his ship. He already knew that prior to its service with the Navy it had been used as a passenger cargo ship between Britain and Ireland, but he discovered that during its time as a passenger ferry, a female passenger had been murdered whilst aboard. Uh-huh. Her body, her throat cut, and her body discovered in the aft cabin amid uh-huh. signs of an obvious <laughs> struggle. True story recorded by the Royal Navy. Sweet. Wow. I like that one. My goodness. Mm-hmm. So, and right I've got here, one. that's I've cool. Got one. That would be interesting. Like, why didn't they go see what grave she went to? I, do you know, I, know, was, I thought the that same was my thing. First thing, mm-hmm. and and it yeah. would have been if it, it's not recorded because if it had been recorded, you'd have bet your life I'd have been down there. Right, mm. of course. Anyway, so uh, in October 29th, eighteen sixty-seven, the RMS Rhone. Uh, the RMS Roan, uh, it's a royal uh, mail ship, was built in uh, Southampton, England in 1865 uh, for the Royal Mail Packet Company. Both It was both sail-powered and uh, steam engine and had a hull of 310 feet. And uh, it was considered one of the fastest ships of the time. Because of its speed and elegant cabins, it was also a popular mode. Ooh, Ghost Riders. 
Uh, also, a popular mode of transportation between England and the Caribbean in the Bermuda Triangle. In 1867, while refueling off the coast of Great Harbor, the skies grew dark and the barometer plunged, signaling an impending storm. The Rhone and another ship, the Conway, uh, that would have been anchored there, decided to, to weather the storm. Uh, when the seas grew calm again, the skies cleared and both captains realized that they were now in the middle of a late seasoned hurricane. They decided to transfer the passengers from the Conway to the unsinkable road. Uh, you know, that's going to end bad as soon as they say that. <laughs> the road headed to open seals, seas while the Conway made its way towards the safety of the harbor. It didn't get far. The Conway couldn't escape the river storm, and it was lost with all hands aboard. Meanwhile, Captain Robert F. Woolley of the Rome ordered the passengers to be lashed to their bunks to prevent injury as the Rome headed to open sea against giant waves that swept its decks. It, wow, wow. The violent hurricane drove the ship in, into the rocks off the Salt Island, breaching the hull. When the cold water made contact with the red-hot boilers, there was a violent explosion and the Rhone split in two. There were, more, uh, there were only uh, 23 survivors. And in 1967, the area surrounding the uh, wreck uh, was made into the Rhone Maritime Park. Guided scuba diving tours take tourists into the wreck, uh, which is littered with uh, artifacts. But even underwater, they cannot be free from the ghosts of the room. Drivers report, divers report being tugged on the shoulder only to find it, that they are alone. And even the most seven diver cannot explain the eerie sounds that seem to be coming through the water. Screams and groans can be heard beneath 80 feet of water, making the room not only a popular dive site in the Caribbean, but one of the most haunted. <laughs> so even sunk, it's spooking people. All right. Uh-huh. What do you got? Who? Step right up. <laughs> Nobody? <laughs> All right. Steve, you can help me with this one because Sorry. This is... Nobody, huh? <laughs> Steve, you still here? Peck! <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody jumped ship. It's up me. <laughs> December 4th. Molly, you there? Come on. Really? And gone, really. Well, I don't know. They can't be gone. Why would they be gone? I think they're playing tricks on us. I don't know. Anyways. And you. Oh, there is. Yeah. No, that that, I found this one called the Orang Madan. The Orangutan? Well, it looks like that. It's O-U-R-A-N-G. And then the second word is M-E-D-A-N. So, Orang Medan, or Orang Medan, I don't know. Anyway, but, but I'll say it because it's really fast. Um, in 1947, two American ships, while passing off the Strait of Malacca, went off to a rescue mission after receiving a dis- distress call from the Orang Medan. The caller claimed to be a crew member and conveyed the message of death of everybody else on board. His words weirdly ended with, I die. The rescuers found the ship unharmed, but the entire crew, including his dog, 
Aww. or dead with Aww. terrified faces and expressions. Oh, yeah. Now, I could just imagine the dog with a terrified... Not the dog! I know, that's terrible. All right, so anyway, before investigation, before, yeah, before further investigation, the abandoned ship caught fire and it exploded. The probable reason could be overexposure of nitroglycerin, which was carrying, it was carrying illegally. Oh. The other mystery re- revolves around the story of paranormal activities and or alien invasion. Ooh, alien that would, invasion. Yeah, that would make that you die from? with a terrible freshman. What was the what was that movie? The was it the Philadelphia experiment? That was the the alien No, Ill Philadelphia Expansion was supposedly uh a, a ship that they use uh electromagnetic to transport from one area to another. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was aliens, sorry. Probably was. You know, they probably made one of them into aliens. You know, there's, there's different camps, ghost camps and alien camps and other this kinds of things. And, and they'll yeah. just take any subject and make it into fit whatever they want. Just like, <laughs> just like the Bermuda Triangle. We talked about the, the other thing. I mean, there were so many different things between wormholes and UFOs and uh, Sorry, you know, Atlantis. Oh, what? He's yeah. back. We wanted to happen to you. I was talking about the Pembroke Dock mysterious disappearances, as my, and immediately I finished. The internet stopped. Oh, you! It had enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the route had just decided it was gonna uh, no no internet no broadband. Anna, Anna and I were just sitting there for a minute. It's like uh, yeah, because <laughs> I. Uh, at first, I thought because you were talk, you were telling your story, and then it all went quiet, and I, uh, and then I realised that I'd gone. <laughs> That's what happens when you do a paranormal show. Poof, he's gone. Poof, poof. Are you in the Bermuda Triangle by any chance? No. Wait, no. if you stretch it out really long, maybe. <laughs> I'm in the Bermuda Heptagonogron. Heptagonogron. Yeah, it's because it's tomorrow. You see, they, they do this. It's yeah. it's while they install the five G Corona Corona masts in the UK. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Anyways, I, on, a, on, a, on a note that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, <laughs> okay. that we mentioned Admiral Byrd. Oh, yeah. When I went to college, uh, my oceanography instructor was uh, the captain from the, the lead destroyer that led one of the expeditions to the, the uh, Byrd's expeditions to the uh, South Pole, I believe. Cool. So that was kind of cool. Anyway. Wow, you are old. <laughs> Thank you, Ann. You're welcome. I mean, we are running out of time, right? He's actually, uh, he's one of, you don't hear him um, mentioned very often or celebrated or commemorated uh, Admiral Byrd any longer, do you? Great, huge hero, and then all of a sudden, yeah, not just kind of disappeared. Yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. kind of sad. I do too. So, Steve, I mean, I w- I'd like your comment on this one because it's 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 probably the one of the most fascinating uh, ones. And of course, we're talking about the faces and the waves from the uh, oil tanker SS Watertown. Oh, you rat! I want you to talk about it because I, I would I will I, leave, I, no, I will yield the floor to you, my friend. On this I'd, one, I'd, well, yeah, I'd like to, but um, I. I, I don't have 
all of the, the sufficient information and it's too far away for me to grab and sound like I know all the answers. Um, I am aware of this famous photograph that was taken. Um, I'm also aware that the, the same photograph has also been debunked or apparently debunked. It is still one of those uh, photographs that pop up periodically. And to be honest with you, having looked at the photograph um, and looked at the circumstances, then there is still, I believe, open questions. I don't think it's been satisfactorily debunked, and it remains one of the... However, um, one of the arguments is actually the crew, the crewman reputed to be one of the faces in the sea didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, it, let me re- read it and go through yeah. it. And, and, so yeah. you tell them about it now. Okay, and yeah, that was a good good follow-up on it. Uh, the SS Watertown was sailing uh, through the sea of the... Uh, through the uh, through the yeah, Gulf of Mexico to us, the sailing uh, some Panama Canal when tragedy struck. Two members of the crew, Michael Meehan and James Courtney, were overcome by fumes while cleaning the cargo hold and suffocated. They were buried off uh, the Mexican coast at sea, of course. Uh, following day, shortly before sunrise, the first mate screamed in surprise as the faces of the dead men appeared in the water off the port side of the ship. Ten seconds later, they disappeared. Uh, but this time uh, was this was not the last time the two unfortunate shows were seen. For the next few days, they were spotted uh, in the water several times by several members of the crew. The captain, Keith Tracy, reported the phenomena. Uh, to his employer, City Service Company, who suggested uh, they attempt to take a picture of the lost souls. He complied and locked the camera in the ship's safe until he returned to port. When the film was developed, the faces did appear in one of the six photographs taken. Uh, When a new replacement uh, crew boarded the ship, all the sightings uh, of the Phantom ended. The negatives turned over to the Burns Detective Agency for authenticity. Oh, I can never say that. Authenticity. Authentication. Authentication. I thought you were saying Arthur C. Clarke. Authenticity. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's authentication. Authentication. Thank you, dear. Okay. They found uh, no fakery, even t- today, except for from Steve. Uh, the photograph stands as one of the most in ghost photos ever taken. So that's the, the well, back. Actually, it's Joe, it's Joe, Joe Nickel is one of the chief skeptics. Oh, God, just shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> I, to quote Nickel, I have looked at the three published prints of the SS of the alleged 1924 oh, photo, revealing the two ghost photos. One print appeared in Fate magazine December 63. Another is in uh, SPR book, Ghost Caught on Film. And it's a high contrast copy of the same picture. The third is in the Reader's Digest, Mysteries of the Unexplained. Okay. Uh, the picture is suspiciously hard edged to the viewer's left side. This oh. rule the straight line, blah, blah, blah. And, he, and Nichols says that the whole thing is a put up job. Uh, attributed to Culver Pictures. Hmm. That guy drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, we went and did an investigation on Wood Island with the Boston Globe, and Boston Globe wrote an article on it, and uh, Nichols contacted them and told them we were full of crap, even though he wasn't there and all this other stuff. So he he's just talking from absolutely nothing. Didn't know us, didn't know anything about it, but yeah, he had no clue. 
Anyways, he was an English teacher. What do you want? Uh, so anyways, this concludes the second hour of this amazing show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, staying with us, especially Steve, which is extremely late for him. Uh, Steve yeah. Parsons, all the way from Wales, which is what yeah, time? Uh, five to one. Five to one. God bless now you, Now when Steve. he does my show, he's up till four. I know. Oh, that's, that's determination. And Mahler, uh, your show is, uh, of course, Stirring the Cauldrons, which can be heard when? Mm, on Thursdays at 9 o'clock Eastern. Love it. And Mahler will be back next month for Mahler's Monthlies with me and Ron. <laughs> oh, I hope I stay on schedule. <laughs> yeah. Third right, Monday of each month, everyone. Good night, everybody. Thanks good for night. listening. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.